Well, one of the, the, the great challenges and I guess the pleasures of filling in for Pastor Mike is I get to, wherever I happen to be at in my studying or, or if we're in our, wherever we're at in our, um, in our prayer ministry on Thursdays, that's what you all get to see because that's, that's usually where I'm at or whenever I have to share, that, whenever I get the pleasure to share, that's usually where you get to, uh, where you, I'll, I'll usually end up sharing. And, and currently, I'm in Nehemiah. And um, so we are in Nehemiah 1. So if you want to go ahead and turn your page, your books there, uh, your Bibles there um, right now. Um, and just kind of bring you up to speed because there's a lot going on. I mean, when I, when I first started getting into Nehemiah, and for some reason, our, my prayer ministry, we ended up in Nehemiah. And, and I kept on having to go back to Ezra and then going back. And I ended up all the way back in Kings, you know, First Kings and having to, you know, get, go through all the history. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, about that, about that. So where we're at right now with... Um, with Nehemiah, we're going to see how he is uh, instrumental in rebuilding and reestablishing Jerusalem uh, following the destruction and exile brought on by the Babylonian Empire. Um, Zerubbabel has already built the temple, and some Jews have already been permitted to return while others have escaped back to their homeland um, and the formal capital. But they're still under the rule of King Artaxerxes, uh, the king of Persia. So things are still not even close to desirable uh, for the Israelites. Um, but what I want us to pay attention to is Nehemiah's heart to serve, his heart to pray, and the Christ-like example he has for us to emulate. Um, so with that, before we start reading, let's just go ahead and, and bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our desire, Lord, is just to seek after you, um, to seek after your heart, Lord, to, see, to follow your plan. Take our plan out of it and just throw it away and just... Help us to see the plan that you have for us, Lord. So we pray that you would speak today, Lord. That We pray that, that your message would be heard today, Lord. And it's in your powerful, mighty name. Amen. So like I said, we're, we're in Nehemiah, um, chapter 1 of Nehemiah, and he is a cupbearer to the king. I mean, he's in the, the king's court. He serves. He's the right hand of the king, King um, Artaxerxes. And... He is, I mean, he's no pee on him. He's, he's there serving the king, uh, the Persian king. And he's a, he's a child of exiled parents. So he was born in exile. So he hasn't been to Jerusalem. So that's just kind of give you an idea of, of uh, who Nehemiah is. So let's go ahead and read uh, Nehemiah 1 through 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. It came to pass in the month of Shizlev, which is December, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, the Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Like I was saying before, Nehemiah was the, the cupbearer for the king in, in the court. Um, he was a close to the king. Um, he could sh- share in confidence with the king, and he got to hear a lot what was going on in the kingdom. He, he, he was, you know, um, he, he was the eyes and ears of the court. He could see, see and, and, and hear everything that was going on. Um, but the, Nehemiah was not forgetful of his own people. Um, because he eagerly asked his brothers what was going on in the kingdom. And I, I think about us, um, what are the things that we are eager to ask for? What are, what are the things that we're eager to um, inquire about? You know, is, is it a ball game? Is it, you know, 
relatives that live across, you know, across the ocean or across the United States. What are the things that, for Nehemiah, it was the kingdom. And, you know, communication being that it was, it's all, most of it was word of mouth. I mean, there was very few written things going on at that time. So the news was spread through the word of mouth. So as soon as he saw his brothers, his brethren, he wanted to know what was going on in Jerusalem. And he'd never even been to Jerusalem. Never even been to Jerusalem. I wanted to share it to kind of give you a better idea of what um, where the mindset of the common Israelite was as far as their heart and their mind and their soul, always thinking about their home, their mother country. I'm going to read from Psalms 122, 1 through 9. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing with your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up and the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be with you within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be with you, because the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Jerusalem was destroyed, and the hope was, with a temple being built, that that was going to be restored, right? But what he's hearing now, that's not, that's not what has happened, right? The, the people are still living, how was, how was it put? The people are still living in distress and reproach, right? Not affected Nehemiah greatly. Um, Psalms 137 also paints this picture for us. I'll read that for you real quick. 137, 5 through 6. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. What things in our lives do we count like that? If I forget this thing, do we, when we walk and do we, when we miss opportunities, do we say, if I miss this opportunity to share the gospel, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. Perhaps we should, right? If, we, if I pass on an opportunity to serve the Lord, right, or to share the Lord, is this the same attitude and you know, respect that we have for the things of the Lord? This is the heart of Nehemiah, serving in a foreign court. So it, it, as a servant of, for the Lord, Having to serve, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us live and work within the world, and having to work for worldly um, companies and whatnot. But we can still have the heart for the Lord and serve the Lord with every breath that we have. Jews are making their way back um, to this day. I think I think I read at one point. I think Pastor Mike had shared this. There's more Jews living in Israel now than than the rest of the world. You know, at one point they were scattered through all the earth, and there was no Jews there. But now there's more Jews living in Israel, and all the Jewish people feel this calling to go back. And even some Christians, when they have the opportunity to count as a, you know, a life goal to be able to go to Israel and, and see, you know, the, the the earth where Jesus had once walked. That, that's the that's a heart I think that we all should have. You know, just for, for Jerusalem. I and mean, we were talking about a lot of people get caught up in the end time stuff. Jerusalem, Israel. That's where we should be paying attention to. What's going on there? That's where our heart should lie. And Nehemiah 4, we're going to continue. Nehemiah 1, 4. So it was then, I, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned 
For many days I was fasting and praying before the God in heaven, the God of heaven. Um, this news was distressing. Uh, the, rem- the remnant was suffering in shame. The walls were broken down. Uh, I think it was 140, 150 years. I read a couple different numbers. Um, but 140 years, this is at least, this is the, the walls have been torn down. All right, so it's not just, a, it's not a fresh deconstruction. It's, they're ruins, right? Plants are growing. You can probably think of, I can think of these, you know, sweet maples that sprout up and grow, you know, 20 feet tall in five years. Imagine what 140 years does to a broken structure and, and rubble. So this, these walls are in ruins. And in Psalm 79, uh, 1-4, I wanted to share that verse with you all in a second. 79, 1-4, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance, your holy temple they have defiled. They have laid Jerusalem in heaps, the dead bodies of your servants they have given us food for the birds of the heavens, and the flesh of your saints to the beast of the earth. Their blood they have shed, like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. We oftentimes look for uh, um, uh, commentary for, for, to teach us the Bible and, and other sources, but you know, we, all we have to do oftentimes, we've got to go right to Psalms, and we, we have a log of just what people were feeling and what was actually going on in those times and how people felt. Um, I, I always remind myself we've got to get back to the Bible and let the Bible prove and talk about itself and teach us. Um, instead of being a, praise, a city of praise and glory, it was a city of shame and reproach. Nehemiah was immediately burdened for his city. He called it his city, and he hadn't even, wasn't, hasn't, hasn't even seen it. He was immediately burdened. When you think about something that makes you cry and wail and, and fast and for days... You know, think about the things that you would be immediately burdened. When I think of a man of high stature that's going to suddenly cry and weep, you start to think, and you start to think about what are the things that the Lord would weep about. What would make the Lord? And if, if the Lord puts that burden on someone's heart, what do you think would happen to a person? I think we'd see the reaction that Nehemiah had there, crying and weeping and fasting. What are the burdens? Um, what are the things that burden us? You know, you think about some of the things that are more, more, the most dear to us, you know, uh, when, we, when dealing with our, our loved ones, our spouses, uh, our primary things that, that bring us, uh, provide provisions for our family. Those are the things that burden us today, but we need to think about the things that burden the Lord's heart, the things that troubles the Lord, the things that sadden the Lord, that should also sadden and burden us. And those are the things I think we need to be serving or working towards. Are the things that burden us, are they things that would please, please the Lord? I've seen people get some pretty upset about some pretty petty things. Sports, right? You know, uh, some sort of service, you know, um, some disservice they were given at a restaurant, you know, throwing a fit. You know, we hear, we hear Karen talk nowadays, and hopefully that, that trend goes away. But, you know, ho- hopefully we can all learn to be more Christ-like. But, you know, what, what are the things that are burdening us today? Nothing. I, when I think about Nehemiah's plight and, and the plight of the, of the Israelites, you know, my hope is I'm starting to learn the burden that the things that would please the Lord. You know, one of the things that we recently prayed for, what's happened in Haiti? 
right? We have 17 um, missionaries and, and children get, been kidnapped. Those are things that we should be burdened with and we should be praying. And that's what Nehemiah is going to do. The fact that he was more than 700 miles away from um, Israel made no difference, nor did it matter. He was in a place of comfort, enjoying luxury and prestige in the palace of the king. He did not say, the city's plight is not my fault. I've caught myself saying that a couple times. That's over there. I need to worry about what's going on right here. And to an extent, that's true. I mean, we've got to control the things we control. But the most important thing we can do, though, is prayer, whether it's for your next-door neighbor or if it's somebody in Africa. We need to be praying. Immediately his heart was touched and he was wanted to do something to save the city. Have you ever been called to do something like that? Immediately touched and he felt immediately called to do something. And that's what Nehemiah did with a single-minded focus. How long have you prayed for it? And what we're going to find out here, he, he prayed for four months. I kind of gave, gave, gave a little bit of that. And he prayed for four months, but he was patient because he was waiting on the Lord's timing, waiting for the Lord's plan to be revealed to himself. Who does this remind us of? Weeping and praying for the things that upset him. Upon hearing the condition of Jerusalem, Nehemiah wept openly about her state. I think this points to Jesus, who would also weep about the state of Jerusalem. In uh, Luke nineteen forty-one and 42. I know I'm kind of cheating here because I got everything typed out. Um, 19, 41, 42. Oh, I'm sorry. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in your day, the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close in on your every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone Upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus was weeping for Jerusalem, and that was one of the things I, I keep seeing things about Nehemiah that reminded me a lot of Jesus. Jesus would go on to drive those who bought out, bought and sold in the temple. Um, those are the things, the things that are pleasing the Lord. You know, we, we're not being. Um, rabble rousers we're not getting angry we're not weeping just for those for the sake of weeping or sake we're doing it for because it would please the lord because it's something that was important to the lord and then in nehemiah 5 nehemiah 1 5 we get to my favorite part of nehemiah 1 and that's his prayer and i said i pray lord god of heaven O great and awesome god you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who you love, who love you and observe you, and commandments. This book shows that Nehemiah is a man of prayer. Um, the book starts and ends with prayer. In the 13 chapters, there's 10 significant prayers by Nehemiah. Um, these are memoirs, memoirs of Nehemiah, where he wrote down the most significant parts of his life. And in, in the 18 pages that Nehemiah takes up in the Bible, Nehemiah records his prayers to the Lord's. That's how important it is in his life. 
You know, these prayers are the most important acts that he did in his life. Praying for his brothers, praying for his brethren, um, just praying for God's people. Um, and in Nehemiah 1.5, note the per- perfect address of the prayer. Um, Exodus tw- and to give you an example in Exodus 20, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. In Deuteronomy 7.9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And in Daniel 9, 4, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, with those who keep his commandments. Who we are addressing is important. And that's the first thing we should open up with when we're praying. Who we are, great and mighty and powerful God, the one that his answer is yes and amen. We need to be addressing specifically who we're praying to. And are we naming him? Making it clear who we're addressing. And are we doing this to things that we're missing in our bank account or problems that are burdening us, right? Sometimes when we, we get in our prayer, prayer life, we, we start praying to the job. I just need this job. And the, the job becomes the focus of the prayer, but not God giving you the provisions and, and giving you the plan. Or the money, I'm focusing on the bills i got to pay, and I'm praying to the bills, and I'm praying to the, you know, the bank to give me you know, what I need. We need to be addressing God, because he's the one that's going to give us everything that we need to do his plan, if that's what our heart is as far as lining up with him. And in Nehemiah 1.6, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Nehemiah 1.6 tells us he prayed day and night. So burned was he for the city. Note that Nehemiah confesses for his sins and the sins of his people. He also reminds the Lord of his gracious promises. How quickly are we likely to go to the necessary confession and repentance whenever uh, we have sinned? Praying day and night. And when is the last time I prayed day and night? I, probably when I was in trouble. Probably when it was something that I did wrong. Right? But I love the, the, the leadership nuggets here. And this is the military guy in me uh, coming out. The le- there's a leadership nugget that I, I like in, in verse 6. Your servants, so he's praying for everybody, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. He's using that royal we. He's never even lived in Israel, but he's talking about all the sins of his people. How often do we like to point out they're voting wrong, they've sinned, you know, they need to change themselves, right? We'll pray for them and their sin. No, it's our sin as a community. It's our sin. It's, it's, you know, all the fatherless households, Lord, forgive us for our sins. I'll include myself with that. That's a leadership nugget there. If you, if you want to be a good leader, you need to be, you know, you're, you're part of the problem. You know, if you, there's something going wrong, you need to first take a look at what you can do and what you did wrong. So, Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Right? Remember, he was born, he wasn't even born in Israel. He was, he was born in the palace. So, he's been serving King at. Artaxerxes this whole time. So he could very easily say, 
please forgive my, my forefathers for their, for their sins. That's, that's not what he did. He said, forgive us for our sins. And in Nehemiah 7, uh, 1, 7, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. You know, going back to um, you know, praying for, for others, how concerned are we for fellow believers who ignored God's commandments? Now, granted, we live in a, we live in a, a state of grace. You know, we're, we're, we live under the commandment of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. But how often do we pray for other people's sins? You know, we're, we're, you know, I think most of us are guilty of coming to wrath first with, for, over other people's sins, especially when it's directed at us, but we should be praying for other people's sins. Do we petition the Lord on their behalf? Granted, we live uh, by grace now, but those that won't even accept or acknowledge that gift, are we praying for them? And that's probably one of the biggest, I think, burns I think we should take on ourselves. The people that won't accept Christ. You know, it should break our hearts, because we know it breaks the Lord's heart. It should break our heart when people don't accept Christ, when people turn away. And in Nehemiah 1, 8-9, Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to, a pl- to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Can the same, same thing be said for us? If I am unfaithful, scatter me. Right? If I commit a sin, scatter me. Wipe out my household, spread my family th- across the states, and scatter me. Right? Remember to, if we're faithful, bring us back. I don't, I don't want, you, want, I want any part of that. I don't want to be scattered. I don't want my family scattered. But that was, that was the deal that they, they made. made. If, if I'm unfaithful, scatter us. Right? Are, are we willing? Are we willing to consider that? And that was one of the, that's just one of the, the, the prayers. That's part of Nehemiah's prayer because he, he, not that the Lord needed reminding, but he was remembering that promise that that would happen. And then he offers himself to God as, to be God's servant and to do something about Jerusalem's plight. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Nehemiah, send me. I will go. Send me. All right? What an example for us to seek the Lord, even when we're in a totally dire position with respect to the world as Nehemiah was. Um, think about Nehemiah's position. He is living a very, very soft life. Right? He has the best of everything. He, he's, he could, he's probably soft, right? He's probably handsome, well-clothed, because he's in the king's court, and he's, you know, like everybody else in the king's court, so God put a smile on. So it's a, a good environment. If he's, asking, if he's basically asking to go on a mission trip to, to go and, and work for the Lord and, and do some hard labor. Um, when we talk about a, a Jesus-like characteristic um, in, in Nehemiah 11, oh, excuse me, I lost a place. I will read a 10 for you. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Um, the king's cupbearer, 
Well, let's think about what the king's cupbearer is. The king served wine, and he serves the wine. But what would he do? He would sip the wine to make sure it wasn't being poisoned, to make sure it was good and that he wasn't getting poisoned. So basically, he is willing to put his life, I mean, maybe he didn't have a choice, but he, he, he knew that every day he was putting his life at risk to serve the king, and that was his position. Um, And I'm going to read, dip into a little bit of book two, uh, chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in the presence before. So he's supposed to be happy. And he's supposed to be a servant to the king and be happy and always make the king feel good and make him feel good about being able to take cape wine without having to throw a life. But that, that's his job. Um, and... Nehemiah obviously has got this incredible burden on him. He's upset about the current state of Jerusalem. Here he must still serve as cupbearer for the king. The position allowed him to sit at the right hand of the king as he, he had to drink the king's cup to test for poison. He therefore was willing to die for the king. Like Nehemiah, Jesus dwelt at the right hand of the Father and was willing to drink the cup that the Father had for him, even though it meant his death. In Matthew twenty six thirty nine, it reads, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that was Nehemiah's heart. Not as my will, but your will. And Nehemiah kind of had the reverse. He's been living as a cupbearer this entire time, and now he's, at the risk of his own life, he's going to ask to leave that position. And I, I, I got this feeling that if the only the way you're leaving the king's court is usually on a stretcher, right? <laughs> you, you're, 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 you know, if, the only way you're getting fired is if you, you, you got poisoned. Um, but they both, Jesus and Nehemiah, both expressed great sadness for the thing that they love, for their people. In Nehemiah 2 through 5, Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow. There is nothing but sorrow of your heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Because this could mean a death sentence for himself. The king could kill him just because he's not pleasing to the eye. Right? So he's having an oh no situation here. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. So he's just simply, you know, he's just spouting off something, a, a, a nice ism just to make the king feel good about, you know, the situation. It's a knee-jerk reaction. May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates burned with fire? And then all of a sudden he lets it out. What is burdening him? Right? So the cat's out of the bag. He told the king. And then the king said, then the king said to me, what do you request? And so I prayed to the God in heaven. So have you ever been in a situation where it's go time? You weren't planning on go time. It was decision time. And somebody asked you or you requested something for you. And you're just, it's a quick prayer to, Lord, give me the words. Lord, let, speak through me, Lord. I don't know what's going on. But that was what Nehemiah, just happened to Nehemiah. Lord, what did he say here? He said, uh, where did I go? I lost my place. Oh, five. And I said, oh, 
So I pray to God of heaven, and I can just think of that quick prayer. Lord, be with me. Lord, speak through me. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my fathers, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen is all, with the king also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a time. Now, he doesn't just stop there. This is a part, another great part that I love about Nehemiah. So he asks, he asks or puts his request out there, let me go back to my home. But then he's emboldened. He's, he remembers what he's doing. He's going to rebuild the Lord's city, and he just goes after it. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So he needs proof. He's asking for proof that the king actually sent him. And then, right, and eight, and then, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he must give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and of the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. We can't be afraid to ask things for, on the, for, the, for the Lord. If, it's the, if, it's, if we're trying to line our heart up with the Lord, we shouldn't be asked for, afraid to ask for things or go for things that, that are of the Lord. Um, Artaxerxes actually stopped the reconstruction at one point of, of Jerusalem. He actually stopped it. And, here, and Nehemiah was aware of that. And here he is not only asking permission to go and rebuild it, you know, leaving you know, his servitude to the king, but he's asking for letters saying proof that he, he's supposed to be doing that. And he's also asking for money. He's asking for resources. He's asking uh, basically for the king to support, financially support the rebuilding of the walls. So that was one of the things that I, I really loved about Nehemiah. He's just um, really after the heart of the Lord and just, just serving him. And um, I wanted to read uh, Philippians uh, 2, 5 through 8 for you real quick. Let me see if I get let this let, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider the robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even at the cross. All for the love of his people, right? You know, he, 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 he knew the cup that he was taking would, would be his death. Nehemiah knew that this could probably be a death sentence, but the burden that he felt for God's people, he... You know, jumped on the opportunity to serve. One of the things we, we constantly pray for here at Calvary Chapel Low Country is just that, that next ministry, that the next opportunity that we can be a service to the Lord. And oftentimes, you know, we jump on it. And when sometimes people come up with ideas, and, and I know I've heard Mike say, all right, well, great, we'll do it. You know, sometimes folks' opinions change, but, you know, other times people do, they get right after it. And that's a blessing. And I think if, if you're seeking after the Lord's heart, I think the Lord's going to bless that. And that's really the, the proof, the proof's in the pudding. It's if, if it's of the Lord, it will, it will produce fruit. 
And I think that's just something we always got to be vigilant for, is just those opportunities for continued servants, service. Um, Jesus was willing to give up his position at the right hand of the Father and come down to rebuild our walls of salvation and free us from the clutches of the enemy. We need to be prayerful uh, for all things, especially those that would disappoint or even sadden our Heavenly Father. Um, if we're desiring to be servants, O Lord, are we seeking his vision, his heart? Um, vision's a funny thing. I was talking to Mike Russo earlier about my sight and, and needing glasses, and I was thinking, you know, and hearing his story about his vision requirements, and I was thinking, man, if only I had the, the vision of a, a young person, and, and then coupled with, you know, the experience, it'd be great. And then I was thinking, well, what vision do I really need? What was the vision that Nehemiah was seeking? Nehemiah was seeking the Lord's vision, right? He was seeking after God's vision, God's plan. And I think that's something that we need to be paying attention to. And that's just something I think we all need to be praying about and constantly praying about and being vigilant for those opportunities to serve the Lord. Because um, it's easy to get caught up in the, uh, the things of the world and, and, um, and get distracted. But that's just one, that's just my prayers for, for th- this church and for th- those in this community. Um, normally, um, Thursdays we have a, a prayer meeting um, where we, we have an intercessory prayer for about an hour, and we're not going to be doing that tomorrow. Uh, we'll be picking up the following Thursday. But we have, about, we have some time tonight to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take about um, 10, 15 minutes for intercessory prayer. Um, and it's just as the Lord leads you, um, you know, one at a time, loud enough so everybody can hear you. Um, and just, just be praying, just pray for what you, whatever's on your heart. Um, like I said, loud enough so everybody can hear you and um, just in a good orderly manner. Uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for your love and your grace, Lord. Um, we thank you for the example that we have and the many examples we have here, not just Nehemiah, but the many examples we have that have that are that Christ-like example of just um, chasing after your will, Lord. And uh, we just pray for a, a shared vision of service for you, Lord. And um, most of all, we, we desire to know the heart that is yours and to um, work in unison with you, Lord. So we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this avenue of uh, speaking to you in prayer and your heavenly name. Amen.